Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Royal London, who, as proud sponsors of One Day Cricket, are also the UK's largest mutual life pensions and investment company, providing financial services to millions of people across the country. To find out more, visit www.royallondon.com. Welcome to The Analyst, Inside Cricket. I'm Simon Hughes, and here's a question for you all. Should Johnny Bairstow be an automatic pick in England's one-day side? Bairstow is, of course, our Royal London Player of the Week for two stellar performances, 174 for Yorkshire in the Royal London Cup, and then 72 not out, that barnstorming innings from just 44 balls against Ireland in the second one-day international at Lords. But when everyone is back from the IPL, can the selectors find a place for him? We'll hear from him in this show. Well, I don't think it's as easy as it sounds, and I'll, I'll tell you why in just a moment, uh, Simon. I'm Simon Mann. Also, an amazing shot from Will Porterfield in the game at Lords on Sunday. I hope you saw it. We'll hear from Mike Gatting, who talks about reverse sweeping and something else he's famous for, food. <laughs> Always famous for that. It'd be great if you could leave a review of this podcast on iTunes. You can also subscribe to the Analyst Insight Cricket so you'll get the programme automatically each week. Just click on the button where it says subscribe. Uh, just to remind you, we'll be releasing a podcast every Monday night throughout the summer. So, England 2, Ireland nil. No surprise there, then? No surprise. And, in a way, it was a measure of how good England are, as much as it was how Ireland have stagnated. I mean, this England side are immense, and they proved it both fielding and batting first. Fielding first in, in the first game at Bristol, bowling very well. Obviously, Adil Rashid, the star, but other bowlers featured pretty well. And then the, the way they batted at Lords, phenomenal, just proving the amount of depth they have and the amount of skill they have. And I'm afraid they just blew Ireland out of the water. Ireland are still the same side predominantly that won the, the match against England five years ago. And I, in, in a way, that has become something that's sort of all starting to haunt them a bit. And they, as we pointed out on this show last week, they have still the same pretty much batting order yeah. from that era, and they just haven't kicked on. 
Well, a really ruthless side, though, have beaten Ireland by more than 85 runs. Maybe. But, but they, 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 they had their moments, Ireland, and you have to remember they've got de- some decent players. I, I, as we mentioned again last Paul week, Sterling. Paul Sterling, yeah. you know, phenomenal talent. I, I said to him, actually, before the second match, because he, he, he showed some glimpses of his skills at Bristol and then just played a useless shot against Mark Wood and got bowled. And you know, he was giving himself so much room. And I said to him before the second match, look, just bat. Don't try these mad shots. And he said, oh, you know, I, I just want to have fun out there. And, and I said, yeah, but I know, but we want to have fun watching you too. And we want you to stay in for a bit. And I felt actually in the second game, he did apply himself a bit more, still showing some incredible talent. But if he could only just ally that with uh, being able to stay in, I think he, he's a serious He'd be a serious opening batsman in one-day cricket. And obviously, Will Porterfield got his AT. And they, I think they played uh, Barry McCarthy in the second match, which really helped their bowling attack. He's got a bit of pace that suggests that he might give them a bit of a spiky edge. So there, there were lots of quite good signs. They just need more consistency. Do you think if, there were, if it were a, a four- five-match series that they would gradually get up to, to threaten England a bit more? Or Well, do you know, I, I mean, I will take, say one thing. I think England, since the... The third one-day international in West Indies have created a sort of ruthlessness. They've, they've found this real clinical method. And OK, so they only beat Ireland by 85 runs in the second game, but it was a clearer distance between the teams than that, I felt. You know, there was a bit of a surge in the Irish innings towards the end, but they were never anywhere near actually overtaking or even getting close. And I, I felt that... You know, ever since that third match in the West Indies when England got three over 300 and had the West Indies about 40 for seven, they said, right, we're going to really prove here how good we are. And I think they have done in those two games, really. I mean, bowling Ireland out for 120 and knocking it off in, you know, before we'd even had lunch, that was pretty severe. Second game, obviously, Ireland competed a bit more, but still England showed their superiority. Yeah, I felt a bit sorry for the Bristol crowd on Friday. You, you take a day off work, you, you pay for your tickets. I'm sure they wanted to see England bat first. I'm sure by the time they went home, they would have wanted to see England bat first. There were a few glimpses, weren't they? Alex Hales played that barnstorming innings, although you know, there were there, those two dropped chances as well. It was a rather flighty innings. Let, let's talk about England's side and we've got the uh, one day series against South Africa coming up and then the Champions Which Trophy. Which will be more of a proper test. Yeah, of course it will. And England got actually quite a settled one day side. We pretty much know what they're going to come up with. We knew their squad in advance. I mean, there was you know, an announcement of the squad. We pretty much knew who was, who was going to be in it. Now, Johnny Bairstow, 174 for Yorkshire. He's our player of the week. He's a guaranteed spot in the in the test team, and yet he, he can't get into the one-day team regularly. I know he played against Ireland, but that was because three players were away. How are you going to get him in England's one-day side? Well, A, A, do you think he should be in England's one-day side? I, I, I do. I do think he should be in England's okay. one-day side. And I, and I think for two reasons. One, he just is so versatile with the bat, and he just gives them that turbo thrust at the end of the innings. Now, you could say, well, why do they need that? Because they've already got Joss Butler and Ben Stokes to do that and others, just think, Bearstow does offer an, another ingredient. He, he plays orthodox shots as well as funky shots. He's more orthodox, actually, than Butler, particularly. And, you know, even that innings at uh, Laws, it, there was a lot of just rambustuous biffs down the ground, really quite old-fashioned, uncomplicated shots, as well as a few 
clever little glides and, and, and sort of squirts through the offside. But the other reason I like him is I think his fielding is so brilliant. He's so quick uh, across the ground. They have him out there as, as a sweeper. And it, this goes back to something that um, Paul Collingwood said when we were in the West Indies about wicket keepers making brilliant fielders because they have very strong leg muscles and they get low and they've got great hands as well. So, you know, the more wicket keepers you can get in the outfield, uh, in a way, the better. So I think for two reasons, and I just looked up his stats, you know, 1,500 runs, this is in all cricket, in the last 12 months, an average of 50. He's just making an inescapable case for being included. He's played 25 one-day internationals in five and a half years. He averages 37 before... In ODIs. Yeah, yeah, before the last three games he's played, when he's done well, he's got two of his four half-centuries in his last three games. Before that, he averaged 30. He now averages 37. So four one-day 50s in 25 one-day Internationals. So here's the question for you then. It's one I asked uh, Graham Swan the other day, who said the same thing as you, should be in the team, but he could not tell me mm. who should not be in the team, who should, who Bairstow should replace. Right, let me, let's go through England's one-day side then. But before you do, we should just also mention the strike rate. It's 91 yeah. over his career, but I think over the last sort of few months, it will be over 100. It, that's a key thing. You've got to be scoring... Batting down the order, you've got to be scoring over 100 runs per 100 balls. OK, there's no, there's no doubt he's got the talent to be in England's one-day yeah. side. That, that's an absolute given. But who does he replace? <clears throat> right, let's go through it. Hales. Does he replace Hales? No. Does he replace Roy? No. Does he replace Root? No, obviously not. Does he replace Morgan? No. Does he replace Stokes? No. Does he replace Butler? No. Does he replace Moen Ali? Yes. Or Rashid? I think that's, that's the opportunity. And I think that the way to do it is to have him at number seven... You can play it, be quite flexible. Maybe if Stokes has bowled a lot of overs, if England have fielded first, then Stokes can drop to seven. But Bearstow, basically at seven, and then you just play one spinner. And, OK, so which spinner? Well, I think it depends who you're playing against. I think if you're playing against very good players of spin, such as India, such as really any of the Asian teams, you might play Moen because he's more reliable and you can set a field to him and he'll do you a job. He'll bowl, you know, fairly straight, fairly consistently. And Rashid's mystery isn't as effective against those really good players of spin because they can either read him or even if they can't, they can adapt their game. And he doesn't bowl very well against India. He's proved that he hasn't bowled very well against Bangladesh either in one-day cricket in in recent times. So I think maybe you play Moen against the Asian teams and you play Rashid against teams like South Africa, maybe New Zealand who are not so good at reading the leg breaks and googlies, and that's his real asset. The template of this England one-day side recently has been having lots of bowling, and lots of batting as well, but bowlers who can bat. So if you did that, if you had no just one spinner, you would only have five front-line bowlers plus Root. And Some people say, well, that was absolutely fine. It was fine against Ireland. Root, Root did well with the ball as well. Are you happy with that? Is that enough? Yeah, you definitely want five proper bowlers... And I'm happy with one spinner and four seamers, which would be Wokes, Wood, Plunkett and Stokes, and then Root to, to fill in. Obviously, if you can have another seamer as well, and if it's perhaps a green wicket, you could think about having no spinners and playing five seamers. It's difficult, isn't it? Because obviously you want to try and find a way to get Johnny Bairstow into the team. So your Champions Trophy team then is Hales, Roy, Root, Morgan... 
Stokes, Butler, Bairstow, Wokes, Rashid or Moen, Plunkett and Wood. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I'd have Jake Ball in reserve. And we, we've sort of left out David Willey there, haven't we? Who I just feel if the ball doesn't swing, he's cannon fodder. And he's only bowling at about 80 miles an hour. These white balls don't swing very much. So unless he's got late swing, and he has used that in the past usefully at getting early wickets, but there's no sign of it at the moment, and these white balls are not swinging. So I would favour, as an alternative to Plunkett, say, I would favour Jake Ball, who I think has something extra. He's deceptively quick, he's got bounce, he's very accurate, he doesn't rely on swing, and he's got good changes of pace, and he seems a very balanced sort of character. So... I'd have as the 12th man, sort of 12th, 13th man, I'd have Jake Ball rather than David Willey. OK, here's, here's the next question then. That's your team. What do you think the selectors' team will be? Do you think they will find a place for him? They like to stay consistent, yeah. don't they, with, with who they've got. I, I mean, they, know, they like having two spinners, Moen Ali and, and Rashid, but the, the pitch will determine that a bit. And it it's been very depend- dry, hasn't it? It's been very dry yeah, the, yeah. in this spring. Sure. And I remember yeah. the last Champions Trophy, the ball turned at Edgbaston. It, it, was, it was not easy for the At for the, the end of this, of this tournament, it did, didn't it? I mean, I don't think it did so much at the beginning. But certainly that last pitch they played on in the final was, was a horrible pitch to bat on and a good pitch to bowl spin on. I, yeah, it's going to have to be suck it and see, you know? It depends on the pitch, partly. Yeah. Well, you've been speaking to Johnny Bairstow. You had a word with him after the the second one-day game at Lords, didn't you? Well, I went up to him because, you know, he, he was our Royal London Player of the Week and talked to him about his innings of 174, in which he put on a partner of 189 with Joe Root against Durham. They chased 336. And he told me about the innings, in which, of course, he opened the batting. Adam Lyde and I set off fairly quickly, to be quite honest with you. So um, it wasn't a case of changing too many gears. Um, obviously, when the power play changes and um, and there's a few more fields outside of the circle, you've got to change and adapt your game plan slightly, uh, naturally as well with spin when spin came on. And um, Unfortunately, we lost Lyde, but then um, it, it was fantastic to uh, to stay at the wicket, obviously with uh, Rooty for a considerable amount of time. And um, the amount Joe and, and I have batted, together it's uh, it's quite good fun so uh, we know that if, if we put on a partnership then we'll uh, we'll score a decent enough rate um, and hopefully um, set us in set us in a good way to finish the game off at the end do you run him ragged because you are seriously quick between the wickets oh, how does he cope with that i don't know it's a bit of an ongoing joke to be honest it's, it goes back a few years from um, i think i ran him out running the fourth somewhere when we were back in the academy um, so yeah it's a bit of an ongoing joke but um, to be fair to him he's uh, he's worked really hard on it and um, you'll see his turns are as quick as anyone now so he, he's probably backing up pretty well when you're when you're on strike, is he? Yeah, but as we know now, this mancad rule's coming in, so um, it's going to be interesting to see how far people are backing up and um, and if anyone's got the minerals to do it. How have you found the winter? Because you know you've been batting so well and keeping well, and yet you played hardly at all, and then you come back to England and can't play the first couple of games. How have you dealt with all that? We played seven test matches in eight weeks prior to Christmas, then you were away uh, for another month and a bit, then you were back home for two weeks, then you go away for another three and a half weeks. Um, You're always working, I suppose, yeah, so you're always no, on, on guard. At no point are you uh, not doing anything, because... Um, 
yes, you're not playing in the game, but at the same time, you're doing your fitness work, you're doing your nets, you're doing your gym, you're doing your keeping, you're running around after all the lads are doing the drinks, whether or not you need to be on the field, off the field, running drinks around to them at fine leg. It's not just like you just sat doing absolutely nothing at fine leg. So when people say, oh, you haven't played, yeah, it's okay, you haven't played, but you're still training, you're still practicing, you're still netting, and you're still helping the guys that are on the field. So within that comes a natural tiredness because you're away from home, a natural mental tiredness, again, because you're in a hotel room, you're away from home. And I, and I think that there's been a lot documented, yes, we haven't been allowed to play, but that's not between the players and, and Yorkshire, that's not between whoever it is. It's a decision that was made, and people have got to go with that decision. Everyone wants their best players to be playing for the county. Yeah, that's fine, but at the same time, that's that's the decision that's been made, and, and now we just need to put it to bed. And how do you spend that time? I know you went to the Masters. What, what, what other things do you do when you're supposed to be resting? I mean, is it total rest, or do you still train a bit? Oh, I didn't pick up a cricket bat. Um, yeah, I didn't pick up a cricket bat. Went to Cheltenham, spent some time with my mates. Um, did uh, did everything that a 27-year-old lad should be doing. Um, in the process of doing a few other things as well. So, uh, yeah, keeping yourself busy in, in all different ways. But uh, it was an enjoyable uh, few weeks off and, and something that hap- uh, worked for me a few years ago when I broke my finger and had time off after coming back after the Ashes. So hopefully it'll work in the same same way. That's Johnny Bairstow talking after the second one-day international at Lords. It's been quite a controversial subject, it always is, players' rest and the fact that he's not played for Yorkshire. But there, there is some sense in it. We, we said before on this podcast that you, you have to think of these players now as, as England players who sometimes play for their counties rather than county players who play for England. There's a feeling amongst some of the commentators that Andrew Strauss got this one wrong and that Bairstow should have been allowed to play, and that apparently he was very keen to play, and that batsmen especially should be able to play whenever they want. Strauss will counter by saying that they don't know when they're getting mentally exhausted and they need to be fresh. And in a way, that's what Johnny said. You know, it's, it's, he, he's bought into this idea that you need to be mentally fresh to give of your best at international level. So I guess... Strauss has probably won the day there, and, and he's probably got it right, but not everyone agrees with it. Well, it'll be interesting to see if Bairstow is in England's Champions Trophy team. And coming up on this podcast, we're going to talk reverse sweeping and food. Now, one of the most remarkable pieces of cricket during the two Royal London One Day Internationals between England and Ireland was a stroke played by William Porterfield, Ireland's captain, who initially went to reverse sweep Adi Rashid and then changed his mind and played an orthodox sweep instead. It's actually the first time I've ever seen anything like that. I think I've seen it a bit before. I I remember seeing Andy Flower, who was a very good reverse sweeper, change his mind and and go back to an orthodox sweep. And interestingly, a lot of these left-handers are right-handed throwers, And in a way, that makes sense because the right hand is the dominant hand when you're a left-handed batsman. So actually, it makes sense if you're right-handed to bat left-handed. Anyway, I've been speaking to an Ashes-winning captain, but someone who's actually famous for two other things. The reverse sweep that went wrong and eating. It is, of course, my old scooper Mike Gatting. When I first started playing, I couldn't play off spinners, so I had a long, a little bit of learning to do. Um, so I swept the ball, but um, conventionally, I might add. And, and, and then, you know, as time went by, you always looked to try and do different things. And I saw, actually, if they've got sort of, you know, six on the leg side and they're bowling it down leg stump, I really want to be trying it on the offside. So two ways to do it: you either come down the wicket and try and play inside out, or you try and get back and cut it through the offside and. 
And then the other way, um, probably the most safest way actually, was just staying in your crease and playing a reverse sweep. Except against a left-arm spinner in a World Cup final. Who bowls it about three foot down the leg side and at the left it would have been a wide. No, you're quite right, yeah. <laughs> was it true that Peter May banned that shot after that final? Peter May did say to me that um, he, he felt it probably wasn't a very good shot. I said, but chairman, I played it through the, through the whole competition and actually played it quite well, I thought, in the semi-final against uh, India. Um, you know, and, and, and my coach always used to tell me that actually um, you only stop shots that actually get you out more often than not. If it gets you out a lot of the time, then stop playing it. But if it doesn't get you out, then you know keep playing because it's a it's a very useful tool once um, you're trying to manoeuvre the field around to um, to get runs. So I didn't actually tell him no, I wasn't going to not play it again. But I didn't sort of disagree with him at the time because he was chairman of selectors, yours. I mean, I I took it on board and just sort of um, said yes, okay, chairman. Now, Lords is obviously famous for you know the great I- events on the field great moments, great performances. But one person I just have to finish with, uh, especially with, with you being here, is Nancy Doyle, <laughs> who, of course, was the, the head chef oh, for many years in the, <coughs> in the, in the players' environment. T- tell us about Nancy, who, who, who made all the players' lunches and basically fed you for about 20 years. Nancy was a wonderful, wonderful lady. She was an Irish lady. She, I think she... Whether she was four foot ten or five foot, nobody really ever ever worried. But to most of us, she looked about six foot seven. Um, she was at a colossus in her own kitchen, and in that environment, she was just absolutely fantastic. She looked after us so well. Um, what was your favourite meal? My favourite meal? Oh, look, oh, look, I like food, Josh, you know. But I, I suppose that the sort of uh, Probably a, a bit of roast lamb on a Sunday was, was lovely. Um, and we used to get roasts every Sunday up there, as you well know, before the John Player League games they were in those days. And you used to go up there and do that. Uh, and and she, was, she was fantastic. Mike really, Mike really was, was coming here to Lords as, as, as obviously the um, captain. And we'd, we'd played a season or two. And all of a sudden he felt we need to get fitter than anybody else. And so we started training. And, and then he, he felt... The, the lunches, they had far too many roast potatoes and chips and everything included and, and these wonderful sort of sweets, you know, sticky toffee pudding and, and you know, spotted digging custard and all these. And so she, he went in there thinking that he might just be able to persuade Nancy to sort of cut out the chips and the roast potatoes. And, and the reply he got when he said, Nancy, look, said, um, I think we need to eat some different food here. We've got far too many chips. Far too... Mr Brearley, before you continue, he said, do I tell you how to pick your creek team now? Get out of my kitchen and let me get on with it. And he didn't. She didn't another. say it like that either, she did she? No, no, there were a few expletives in that. Um, and and Brist and, and off he went. Um, so he just had to tell the players that he felt they probably shouldn't be eating too many spuds and that at lunchtime and having too many sweets. But uh, she, was, she was just a wonderful, wonderful lady. Do you miss those days, actually, where you, you came in in the morning and there was, I mean... There was there was a few bacon sandwiches knocking around, a few biscuits, and the lunches were amazing. The tea. There were beers on the, the table, Josh. Beers on the table. Beers on the table. Look, no, uh, I, I think things have changed slightly, and, and, and yes, the fitness and the, and the, and the, and the thing. But you can still get a bacon sandwich up there. I was up there the other day with my, one of my <laughs> mates, Ian Gould, and, and there were still you know bacon butties for the umpires and the scorers and whatever. No, they're still up there if you need them, and I'm sure the boys quietly sneak up there. But uh, it's it's a wonderful environment, and, and, and it has changed a bit. But you know, you, you'll all. I'll always remember those days because they were so enjoyable. I mean, there weren't that many restrictions like there are now on the, on the players, and, and, and that's the way it is. But, you know, when you think 
of how we played the game and and you know you turned up when you bloody well liked anyway so it wasn't a bit of a question of who turned up on time or whatever I mean Breers when you think when he first came in and Mike Selby in their t-shirts with no whacking furries on it walking through the main gate and so you know there were things like that that were there to test the MCC and you think about you know why do you want oh it's just a, it's just the home of cricket it's still around the world respected as a home of cricket and we've been so privileged to be able to play here all our lives you can almost hear him salivating when he was talking about spotted dinkasa, which was his his favourite uh, dish for sure. And the thing about the, the, those lords lunches was it wasn't just the the lamb, the roast lamb. I mean, roast lamb before you play a Sunday league game, which he was talking about, <laughs> or it might be a huge portion of roast chicken. It was the portions, and it was all the, about four or five vegetables, including cauliflower cheese with lots of lashings of cheese sauce. But it was the puddings. It would either be spotted in custard or sticky toffee pudding with custard, ice cream and cream all ladled on. How you play after that, it, it's just impossible. But that was, the, that, that was the culture then. It's amazing how food and cricket go hand in hand. I, I remember distinctly when I played club cricket in Bristol, there was a fixture which we kept on simply because the opposition's tea was just the, the best I've ever had. And we, everyone talked about it. Oh, yeah, we're going to have tea at that, that cricket club. It didn't matter about the result or the, or the cricket. We actually got thrashed that day. But <laughs> the tea was absolutely fantastic. And another player I play with, opening bowler, you know, he used to run in and bowl probably the first 14 overs. He always used to have about three pints before he went out to go and bowl. If I'd had three pints, I'd be lying in the long grass, you know, outside the, the boundary rope. As, as Gat mentioned, they used to even put um, bottles of beer on the tables at lunch at Lord's. It was rather frowned on if anyone actually partook but uh, they were there anyway and talking of cakes I don't know if you've ever been to Worcester's ground the ladies pavilion there I mean the cakes there are just fantastic there's so many different types one thing I've always found funny about cricket actually is not only that there is this focus on food and that you know the spectators all start getting their sandwiches ready at 10 past four when it's the tea interval or 20 to four whatever even though you wouldn't have sandwiches you and cakes would you? at home no. you certainly wouldn't have sandwiches you might have a cake and a cup of tea i suppose but and and the, the, you know the sparrows all get ready for it as well they all seem to know <laughs> when it's tea and they all start gathering around the balconies and pavilions ready for the crumbs well the americans all say how can you play a game uh, you know which stops for tea i mean i suppose these days it's you're stopping for a rest aren't you, you need a break in, in those long sessions but yeah. I think a lot of players look forward to having some cake and sandwich or would like to if they're allowed to by the nutritionists. The, the, uh, the scene in the Middlesex dressing room when it was tea was astonishing because they bring in these great big silver salver of sandwiches and another one of cakes. And, and Gat was a great protein hunter. He didn't really fancy the, the bread. So he just ripped all the meat out of the bread and noshed that and left all this bread sort of scattered around the place. It was like a feeding frenzy at tea, sort of ten minutes of cakes and sandwiches and meat just absolutely stuffed in and then straight outside again. And what, absolutely hopeless for ten minutes, quarter of an hour, while well, you digested I, I, it all? I was stupid because I often you seem, used to bowl with the over after lunch or after tea. Right, yours are you're on from the nursery end. And I felt bilious, and I never learned why. It was just stupid, because it, cause the food was so delicious and you were hungry because you'd had two and a half hours on the field. You just went for it. Highlight, low-light time there. Now, you met the Duke of Edinburgh last week, didn't you, with the opening of the new Warner stand? Well, you saw him highlight. off, didn't you? You I, saw that, him off. Well, it was my highlight, meeting him, and, and he, was the, the, he was the best company. He was fantastic. And what we did, quite sensibly, was someone gave us a few bats to show him from 1899, Albert Trott's bat, 
tiny thin piece of balsa wood right through to the modern day the big cleavers that they use now and he looked at that and said a big modern bat and said well that's like an offensive weapon isn't it and and we chatted around the the evolution of the bat sizes and he he found that really interesting so and he seemed in such high spirits and and so healthy that I was slightly surprised about his announcement the following day but as many people have said obviously I bored him rigid and he didn't want to be seen in public again so I guess that's my low light Obviously made you laugh anyway. <laughs> I'm going to go for a highlight this week and uh, very simple. Uh, good to see the West Indies win a, a home test match against Pakistan. Odds against uh, going into the, the final innings, but they bowled Pakistan out cheaply for under 100. Perhaps I'm just being a bit sentimental, but it's good to see the West Indies winning a test match. Hooray. And all strength to their elbows because they're playing us soon. They are. They're coming over later in the summer. We'll be back uh, this time next week. Hope you enjoyed this one. We'll speak to you again. We will. See you then. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.